Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last week as we were worshipping, you'll remember the Lord dropped a word in my heart which really coined off uh, and, is, and is quite directional concerning the season we find ourselves in. And that was Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty or inaccessible things that you do not know. I quite like the way the Message Bible says it because I, I looked it up as well this, this week. And it says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. So in other words, there's things in the heart of God for you and me that are not just ordinary things. They're not one of the mill things. They are wonderful things. They are marvelous things. They are mighty things. And the, the thing to focus on here is that we could never figure these things out on our own. We are incapable of doing it. And it's also clear by the Scripture that there are things that God wants to show us that we do not know. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to admit, right? But there are wonderful things out there that God is trying to show us or desires to show us, and we don't know. Part of the reason we don't know them is because of the attitude of our hearts when we approach the Word of God. Oh, I've heard that before, or I've, I've read that verse before, or I know what that person says. I understand what their message is. And so, by our familiarity with it, we think we, we understand, whereas very often, there's so much more in it that God still wants to speak to us. Pastor Andreas recently, before he left, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, gave a prophetic word in which he, he, he said that there is a new season coming in the new year. And my mandate, while he was away, is to prepare us as, the shep as a shepherd would prepare his sheep for a, for a transition, uh, that is the season that we are in, and a time and a season of preparation for that which lies ahead and that which is to come. That's why when this verse came, it was so powerful in my heart, because there's, there's something new that God is doing. He wants us in on it. He wants us to know what it is so that we can cooperate with Him and receive the fullness of all that He wants to do in and among us. But there's a, there's a, a work of preparation that needs to take place. Last week, I, I, the title of my sermon was position for growth, and last week we spoke on growing in. We spoke about trees and used them as an analogy, that any tree that you buy has certain conditions that it requires that are conducive to its growth. Certain plants and trees need more sunlight than others. Certain plants and trees need more water than others. And if you don't get the conditions right, you will stifle the growth of that plant. It'll not be able to, to grow to its full stature, it might die completely, and it'll never reach its optimum level of fruitfulness. These days, we're pretty fancy with this kind of thing, and we have containers with special air filtration and air conditioning systems in, with special lights in, and we can give any particular plant exact UV light that it needs, the exact moisture level, the exact temperature, the exact humidity. We can make sure that the soil is filled with just the right things, why would we do that? We give that plant the optimum conditions so that it will grow optimally. optimally. In other words, the best leaves, the fastest, uh, the best quality product. And that's a lot of how farming is going these days. Actually, my cousins out in Cyprus are, are doing this now. They're doing micro-herbs. 
um, and they, they're doing this in a container that filters the water, filters the air, puts the right light on these things, and so you have these microherbs, and they're selling them to the restaurant, and they grow quickly, and there's no, there's no pesticides, there's no bugs that get to them. They have created the optimum, ultimate environment for those plants to grow. Now, I want to say to you today that there is an optimal environment for, for you and I to grow, and God wants us to position ourselves in that kind of environment. You see, any organism that is healthy grows. And the same can be said of our spiritual man. When, there is, when our, the attitude of our hearts, when the state of our spirit man is healthy, we will see that there is growth. We are developing. Our understanding of God is growing. Our situation around us is changing. And, and things are working together. We can see that there is growth. Uh, and, and if you understand the fullness of the gospel of the kingdom, that growth will be seen in every single area of our lives, not just our spirits. In our emotional realm, of our lives, in the financial realm of our lives, in the health and wellness realms of our lives, in the relational areas of our lives, in the occupational area, everywhere where the life of God, every place that is positioned for that life to flow, means that that place is aligned and conducive for growth to flow. I don't want to spend too much time on last week, but we spoke about Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who is planted by the rivers of living water. In other words, blessed is the man whose heart is anchored in the place that is conducive to growth. He will grow. He will produce. His leaves will be green. Even in dry times and in drought, he will not wither, and he will produce and bring forth fruit in his season. Into the New Testament, Jesus brings the same analogy through the vine. John chapter 15. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. We spoke about how do you abide <coughs> excuse me, in Christ. How do you do that all day long? How do you make that a part of your journey? So often we sort of compartmentalize and we have our half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, however long you have it in the morning, where we say, right, God, this time is devoted to you. And we pray and we have our devotional. We read some of the word. We spend time maybe in worship. We say, God, this is for you. But there's so many scriptures in the Bible that speak about being aware of God or meditating on the Word of God all day long. One of the people we looked at last week was Cornelius. And the Bible said that he was a man who prayed always. And so I ask, you know, how do I go about my day being able to, to do that while I've got other things to do? I mean, other things need my attention. I need to focus and concentrate when I'm driving. I need to speak to people and interact with them and listen to what they're saying. I need to, you know, I can only do one thing at a time. So how am I supposed to meditate on God's Word as I'm going about my day? And we spoke about that word of just simply being ever mindful of God's presence. So as I interact with people, I am ever mindful of what it is that God spoke to my heart this morning. How He affirmed me as His Son and that I am loved and that His grace is with me. How perhaps I'm in a really difficult time and I'm struggling with a situation at work or a personal relationship or just anxiety, whatever it may be. And I take this to the Lord and I say, God, this is where I'm struggling. And as the Lord begins to speak that over my life or speak into that situation, whenever it arises again, I'm, remind, I'm reminded of what it is that God said. So I can go about my day being ever mindful that His presence is with me ever mindful that His grace and His, His anointing is upon me, 
His Holy Spirit is there desiring to lead me. And what that also means is I am ever mindful that God is present in the situation and may have something to say about it. And so the position or the attitude from which I approach the situation, I find myself in that situation, changes. I position the attitude of my heart in such a way that it is open to receive. The Bible talks about waiting on the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall receive grace and strength. The best definition I've heard for waiting upon the Lord is to orientate my expectation towards Him. So in the midst of what I'm going through, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of even the victories and even the wonderful things, my orientation or my heart is orientated towards God. Last week we looked at the example of Cornelius and Peter, how Cornelius was the first Gentile to receive, and him and his family, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We looked at how that whole situation came together where there was a man called Cornelius whose heart was open towards God. An angel was sent. He was able to recognize this ascent from God and gave him instruction. Likewise, there is a man called Peter in another town who went up on his roof to pray and God visited him with a vision. Both men had their hearts orientated in a way that was open to receive from God. And I praise God that they did because if it wasn't for that, you and I wouldn't be filled with the Spirit today. But because they were, their hearts were open, God was able to lead them. I think in churches today and in our personal walk with the, with the Lord, the, voice, the, the words of Jesus echo where he said in John 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus had walked with his disciples three years He'd been with them, he'd taught them, he'd raised them, he'd done mighty miracles and shown them incredible things. But he said to them, there's still many things that I want to say to you, but you're not ready to receive them. We looked at Peter, how in one moment he has this revelation from God, and in the next moment he fumbles. We looked at how he promises Jesus he would never deny him, denies him three times. And yet at that moment, if you had to ask Peter, if you had to say to him that he was going to be preaching a sermon soon in which 2,000 souls would be saved, he would never have believed you. He was broken. He was broken. He needed restoration. We know that Jesus did that with him on the beach, and he restored Peter. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feel my lamb. Feed my lambs. And in that moment, on that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on that gathering, if you'd have told Peter that the same Holy Spirit would have been poured out on the Gentiles, he would never have believed you. Why not? Because he not, was not ready there yet. He was not in that place yet. There were still some things that he needed to know, but that he wasn't ready to receive yet. Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, I come, I wanted to feed you with the meat of the word. I couldn't. You're not ready for it, so I have to keep feeding you milk. The point I want to make by all of that is this. Perhaps some of us still need the milk of the word. Milk is not a bad thing. You don't feed your baby milk to poison it. You feed your baby milk because it's got good stuff in it that it needs and that is conducive to growth. But what is the hope when you feed your baby milk? The hope is that that baby will grow thereby, that it will receive everything it needs and it will mature and its, its body will grow until eventually it can handle solid food. It will grow up. Folks, we need to understand that there are many things that God still wants to take us into that we do not know, and that we are not yet ready to receive. That's why the word of this season 
is for us to position ourselves and wait upon God and ask of Him, God, what does it mean? How do I position myself to receive? That's why the, the word from last week was all about growing in. God's calling us to grow into Him, that our understanding of who He is might be changed. And that as our understanding of Him is changed, the way He sees us becomes life and light to us. So the way we see ourselves begins to change. It's all about repositioning. So as I said, last week we spoke about growing in. This week I want to speak to you about growing out. Now I want to say to you quite, quite plainly, although the focus of this week is growing out, I'm only going to spend about 10, maybe 20% of our time together speaking about growing out. Why? Because growing out is simply the fruit of growing in. As a plant matures, fruitfulness is natural. As a believer grows within in his relationship with the Lord, as he grows more and more into Christ, growing that life out is the natural result. It's not something we have to strive to do. You see, growing out is not about a list of spiritual chores and things that we need to do. It's not about a whole lot of things. Now, we need to go preach there, and we need to go do this, and we need to go do that for God to be happy. And I have to do, be in church, and I have to pray so many hours a day. We talk about growing out and have the life of God coming out of us Whenever we make it about the works, we've lost the plot. And we're going to look at how Jesus did that. Growing out is when that which is going on within us begins to leak out of us without us even noticing. I came across a word this week in, in just a, an invita a, a, a interview that I was, I was watching. And somebody spoke about the word porous. And as he said the word porous, and he was talking about being porous before God, being real, being open, being honest. But that word porous really struck me in the light of what I've been sharing with you. You see, something that is porous is both absorptive and leaky all at the same time. If something is porous, you can't stop it from leaking. If you think of a sponge, a sponge is a porous thing. And if you start dropping water droplets on a sponge, it's going to soak them up. That you, you won't find the water. It's in the sponge. But if you keep doing that for long enough, once the sponge becomes sat saturated, what happens? It starts leaking. It can no longer contain that which is going on within it. And that's kind of what God wants to call you and I to. I know I, I used the analogy last week, but it's a good one. If you imagine a cup that is filled with water, so often our idea and our thoughts of, of our relationship with God is we must go to God and be filled, have our cup filled, and then go about our day and pour out His love and share in His blessing and share the Word of God with other people and then come and be filled again. And I've come to realize that that's not God's idea at all. God's idea is not that we be emptied and filled and emptied and filled. God's idea is that we fill to overflowing. That, everything where we go, that everywhere we go, we are overflowing with that which is within us. It's as though we can't contain it. And we are actually going out looking for vessels to pour it into because it's so wonderful. You know, when you're in that kind of place spiritually, you don't have to conjure anything up. You don't have to wonder or try or strive or seek or battle. It's a natural thing that happens. John 7, 38 says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say into his heart will settle pools of living water. It says, but from his heart will flow. And it's not a trickle, and it's not a stream. Man, it's a river of living water. Why? Because he's overflowing. 
there's just so much that's going on inside that I can't keep it in. As Cat Stevens says, I can't keep it in. I've got to let it out. I've got to tell the world. The world's got to see. See all the love, the love that's in me. Okay, it's a worldly song, but it works, okay? Just bear with me. You see, Jesus gave us this key in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Okay, he was dealing with the hypocrites here. He was dealing with the, the religious leaders at the time, Matthew 6, 6, and he said this, but you, speaking to his disciples, speaking to his followers, are you the follower of Jesus this morning? Because it's gotten awful quiet in here. I just want to make sure I'm speaking to the right people. Are we the followers of Jesus this morning? Amen. All right. He says, but you, say, but me. When you pray, now it doesn't say if you pray. We've got to understand that. Prayer was a given thing. Not necessarily, in Jesus' heart, prayer was never some religious ritual and thing that needed to be done. A box that needed to be ticked, right, I've said my prayers today. Prayer was the vital connection through which we engage with the life of God. It was a communicative thing. It's a relational thing. Our relationship with God cannot be sustained without prayer. It goes without saying. If my wife and I failed to communicate and just never... If we only communicated on a Sunday morning and I sang her a few songs there, I mean, she'd feel loved on a Sunday morning, but I wouldn't know what the heck to do for the rest of the week, and neither would she. We'd live past each other, we'd bump into each other, we'd get things wrong, we'd misunderstand each other. There needs to be constant communication. And not just this news, sports, and weather. Not just, okay, you're going to pick up the kids at this time, and I've got to be at the office at that time. Not just the logistics of it all, but heart-to-heart conversation, where I get to share my feelings with her about things. You know, Craig did this today, Helen. And... Man, all I wanted to do was just push him across the church. I did. <laughs> we get to share heart to heart. And that was the idea that Jesus always had in mind when he spoke about prayer. But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, some verses there say openly, but that openly is in brackets. You'll find it's not in all of the original Greek manuscripts. I shared my testimony with you earlier in this year, how I went through a time that was incredibly frustrating for me. I struggled with personal things. And God, I went away, I fasted and prayed, and God really met me. And He came through in my situation. And what He gave me was not external relief from the things I was struggling with. He gave me more of Himself. He gave me a sense of His presence that enabled me to overcome those things, to see them from His perspective, to not grapple in the flesh, but I received more of Him. And that was what I really needed. You see, I thought I needed external change. What I really needed was a change inside. And that's mostly the same for you and I. He says here, go into the secret place when you pray. In other words, just go and spend time being alone with God. Just be intimate with Him. And what you do, and what, and, and it, it says, and God who sees you in secret will reward you. Now, it will eventually come openly. Many people say, oh, then it, the signs and the wonders and these things will flow. Yeah, that's a part of it, but I think it's so much more than that. You see, if you are meeting God in that secret place, and if He has the room to whisper into your heart, guess what's going to happen? You are going to be changed. And that change is going to become evident to all those around you. You see, the reward for this, the reward for spending time with God and for seeking His face, the reward for that is God Himself. There can be no greater reward. There is nothing that money can buy which can be more valuable than God's Word, than God's presence, than God's wisdom for me right now concerning my life, who I am, and my situation. 
It's His presence. It's His affirmation. It's His direction. It's His grace. It's His power. It's interesting to hear the words of Jesus. John chapter, 30, John chapter 5, verse 30, He says, I can of myself do nothing. What an incredible statement for Jesus to make. The one who was there when the heavens and earth were created, He was the Word in the beginning. Without Him, nothing that was made was made. John 1 tells us that. You know, Jesus goes about doing miracles, healing the sick, preaching with authority, all these incredible things, and yet He Himself says, without Him I can do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Why is it righteous? Not because it's my judgment, but because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. Let me read to you also John 5, but 19 and 20 from the message. So Jesus explained Himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The Son can't independently do anything, only what He sees the Father doing. What the Father does, the Son does. The Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He is doing. Folks, I want to say to you today that God loves you and His desire is to include you in everything that He is doing. Hence He says, call out to me and I will answer and I will show you the things that I am doing and I will lead you into them. And they are marvelous and wonderful and powerful. I mean, what an invitation. What an invitation from the God of this universe. <coughs> but it's, in order to enter into that, we need to have the same kind of realization that Jesus had, a clear understanding that nothing meaningful can come from you or me that is not born out of intimacy with God the Father. If Jesus said that, folks, come on. What, how, what about you and me? But yet we spend a lot of time trying to do things. We spend a lot of time trying to pursue dreams and visions and occupations and desires without even consulting God. You know, maybe some of these things were born in the right place. Maybe God spoke prophetically over your life. Maybe, God, maybe you know that you're de destined for ministry or that you're destined for this occupation or you're destined to do this thing. You're never going to do it without God. It's never going to become a reality without that vital connection. See, you and I are totally and utterly dependent upon God. The problem is we don't realize it. We don't realize it. As I was praying this morning, this dropped into my heart. And it just, the more I pondered on it, the more I realized that, wow, this is powerful, this is true. It was this, that by far the greatest success of the enemy's strategy is this. Not that he has blinded the minds of those who do not profess Christ and who cannot because they cannot see him as Lord and Savior. But rather, he has blinded the minds of those who do. In other words, we live in our, uh, these lives that we call Christian lives. We say that we are disciples of Jesus. We belong to him. We are born again. But yet our minds, because, of, because we tolerate so much worldliness, so much compromise, our pursuits and our desires are not necessarily for God, they're for other things, our own comfort, our own ambition, our own dreams. These things enter in. Mark, Mark I think it's four, in the parable of the sowist, it says they choke the word, they choke the, 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 the vital life-giving power that God wants to give us. And so it can no longer produce that vitality within us. 
This is what Jesus had to say to the religious leaders of his time. For the hearts of this people, Matthew 13, 15, have grown dull. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to believers. Their eyes are hard of hearing, their ears have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Wow. Do you think that that is still true of a lot of the church today? Okay, let me bring it a little bit closer to home, and I don't want you to answer this, but I really want you to think about it. Do you think that in some ways that's still very true of your life, of your relationship with God? Here's how the message puts it. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. Or, but they don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. <laughs> I really like that. Father, please deliver me from blockheadedness. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen, and they screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. It's like an insolent child going, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, la, 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 la. Michael, I want to talk to you today about this attitude in your life. La, la, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, sorry. Why? Because I don't want to deal with that attitude right now. Michael, the way you've been treating your wife, no, don't go there, I can't hear you, la, 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 if I don't know what you're saying, I don't have to obey, la, 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 la. <laughs> we act like little children. We don't want to get... Listen to me. Why is it we send so much resistance to time in prayer? We blame the enemy. But here's the truth. There is such resistance in our heart towards prayer because deep within us, there's something that doesn't want to meet with God and have Him deal with us. Why? Because we know there's stuff going on within us. We know there's attitude in our hearts that are not pleasing to the Father. And so instead of dealing with them, La, 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 la. I don't want to hear God. I just don't want to know right now. I'm lost in my own guilt. I'm lost in my own shame. Or I just blatantly want to rebel. Don't talk to me right now. And you know what? God will honor that. God will say, all right. When you're ready, I'm here. When you're ready, you can come. Now, how many of you have done that for a season and things start falling apart? It's amazing. Nothing around you changes, but everything falls apart. You become emotionally unstable. You're angry. You're, you snap. You, the pressure of just normal everyday life gets to you. Nothing that your spouse does is right. Your kids are just, you know, work is overwhelming. What has changed? Has everything around you changed? Actually, no. Just you in the midst of it all has changed. And you're still sticking your fingers in your ears shouting, la, 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 I don't want to hear. Because I don't want to deal with me because I realize that I'm the one who has to change. Folks, these words of Jesus, they're like a church bell calling us to repentance. Many of us are so sound asleep, we don't even hear the chime. Isaiah 55, 50 verse 5 says, The Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious and I did not turn away. It's very interesting. Every Friday morning, we meet with a group of pastors. We call it the Corporate House of Prayer. The acronym is CHOP. So once a week... We meet. <laughs> the chops come together. And of late, we've been talking about hearing God. 
And it's just amazing how it aligns up so much with what God's been saying to us as well. Um, something Pastor Ken said on Friday really struck a chord. And I want to ask you the same question. He asked us as pastors. He said, ask yourself, am I ready for what will happen if I really do hear God saying to me what He requires of me? Am I really ready for what will happen if I really do hear what God is saying to me and what He requires of me? Because it will inevitably require change and sacrifice and inconvenience. You see, when I start hearing the Word of God, I'm going to have to change my way of thinking to line up with His. Why? Because as right as I think I am and as justified as I feel my thoughts may be, when they're pitted against the truth, the truth always prevails. The truth is what sets me free from my way of thinking. My way of thinking is what gets me into the mess. My way of thinking is what limits me from growth. My way of thinking is what stops me from growing in and therefore stifles that life growing within me so that it can grow out of me and I can actually become an instrument in the hand of God. Do you really want to hear what God is saying to you? Do you really want to enter into that which God desires to pour out that is so freely and readily available to taste of a greater measure of the fullness of God? You see, God, there's new wine that wants to come. We understand, understand the wineskin analogy. Mark 2.22 No one puts new wine into old wineskins. What is a wineskin, folks? It is our way of thinking... But I would say even more so, it is the attitude of our hearts towards God. You see, the way we think about Him determines the attitude of our hearts. And God says, there's new wine I want to pour out, but I can't put it into the old wineskin. Jesus said, there's things I want to reveal to you, but you cannot receive them now. Why? Because if I told you now, it would burst you. Like a wineskin filled with new wine, as the fermentation happens, it will burst the skin. Not only is the skin ruined, the wine is wasted. But new wine needs a new wineskin. New wine needs a new wineskin. There's a new filling up that God wants to do. A greater measure of His Spirit. A fresh and a new outpouring. You could say, Michael, is this unique to this season? You know what? I don't know. I think every single day God comes to us with that offer. I think right now there's just the prophetic call that is going out and saying, Church, Wake up. Not just this local fellowship, but the church, my church, my body, the bride of my beloved son. Wake up. The night is far spent. I want to pour out new wine and a fresh outpouring. Are you able to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? How do I make myself ready? How do I know? Have you put your heart in a condition, in a place that is conducive to growth? Where God is able to speak to you, where you are able to hear His voice, and where the fullness of that which goes on within you begins to shine and show the world around you, where people actually start noticing a difference. One of the greatest compliments anybody ever paid me, it really made me sit up and take notice. It was somebody who knew me while I was in school, and never saw me for years and years and years. We're still good friends with her today. Her name is Trudy. 
Our paths crossed again. We got to meet each other, and she was seriously apprehensive about this guy because she knew what this guy was like. But a few months later, she said to me, Michael, what changed you? Something in me had changed. I hadn't noticed it. It had been slow progress over years and years and years. But God had been working in my life. And praise God, somebody could see it. That's a compliment. I mean, that's all testimony to what God has done. It's not that I've done anything wonderful. I'm now grown. and It's what God has done. And there's growth that God wants us, is calling us to. Being positioned for growth is what we can do. The actual growing is what God does. Amen? So this, last week we spoke about growing in. This week we spoke about growing out. And like I said, there's very little to say about growing out without making it about tasks and chores. Really, growing out is about the overflow. And next week we're going to talk about growing up. How as we grow in, and that begins to spill out, maturity develops within us until we're at a place where we can hear the voice of God. You see, what is, what is a mature son? We're going to get into that. Tune in next week. I don't want to get into it now. Tune in next week, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that some more. Amen? Can you hear the Lord speaking to you? Can you hear His spirits cry? Can you, can you see the analogy we worked on last week about Him standing there with His hand out saying, I love you. Come with me. There's something I want to show you. I believe that's the cry of the Lord today. And I believe it's up to you and I to respond to that call. When the Word of God speaks to us, when we sense the quickening of our spirits, it's up to us to respond to that Word. But I want to say to you, the response to that Word is not for you to come up to the altar here. It's not for me to lay hands on you or to pray a special magical prayer. The response to that word is simply this. This is what I'm going to ask of you today and what I believe the Lord is asking you today. As you leave this place, will you keep your heart orientated towards me? When you wake up tomorrow morning, would you continue to be ever mindful of my presence with you? Would you just converse with me? Both in the quiet of your secret place as well as as, as you go about your daily business. While you're in the car, just switch off your radio. Talk to me. Because there's some things I want to say to you. Clutter out some noise. As you struggle with that relationship or that position at work, talk to me about it. Talk to me. Begin positioning your heart in a place where I can speak to you. I close out with this. I remember when Pastor Andreas used to speak about his prayer closet. I'd never heard that term in my life. I thought to myself, this oak has a a cupboard for praying in. You have visions of, you know, sitting in your own, pushing the, trying to fit the clothes aside so that you can sit in there and pray to the Lord. I mean, that's clearly very spiritual. Get into your secret place. Now, whether your secret place is in a prayer closet, alone in your bedroom, out on a walk, God wants you to be with Him. There's things He wants to say to you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You today, Lord God, that your heart is always open towards us. Father, that even though in many ways and in many things we're still to make up our minds about you and about your love and about your faithfulness and about your goodness, but I want to thank you that concerning each and every one of us, you've already made up your mind, that we are your sons and your daughters, your children, that we are loved by you. 
and that you desire to lead us into the fullness of life that Christ purchased with his blood and with his body through his death and his resurrection. Father, I pray this morning you would have helped us realize just how dependent we are upon you. Lord, would you forgive us for trying to go at it alone, thinking we can do it. Would you forgive us, Lord God, for striving in the flesh and and trying to pursue things, Father God, that were just never born of you, that never have life in them in the first place, and that will produce no fruit and not echo even an iota into eternity. But would you help us, Heavenly Father, day by day, morning by morning, orientate our expectation towards you, focus our attention upon you, that we would come as your sons and your daughters and listen to you. Lord, thank you that you call us. You woo us and say, call out to me and I will answer to you. Thank you that that is a promise. And thank you that you desire to show us great and wonderful and marvelous and mighty things that we yet do not know. Thank you that you've shown us this morning that we don't know. Thank you that you've shown us how dependent on you we are. And thank you that you are leading us by your Spirit to lean on you more and more day by day. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.